now my party is a success. Adeline, this is Han Su Yin, my friend and colleague. Han Su Yin, I feel I've known you a long, long time. You're a great artist, I understand. I'm a doctor. Oh, doctors are artists in their way. I knew I'd heard something wonderful about you. Oh, John, you know everybody, don't you? Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. And this week, we watched the third of our 1955 nominees, Love is a Many Splendored Thing, starring Jennifer Jones as a mixed white and Chinese woman, even though she is 100% white, and William Holden as just an American white guy. Yeah. Hanging out in Hong Kong. Who, I, so we're not going to bingle answer this, though God, I wish we could. There's just sort of too much to talk about. I'm calling it the Gone with the Wind Memorial Award for not being able to fucking bingle answer this dog shit movie. <laughs> we'll come up with a shorter name, but you maybe know. or like, can somebody work out the acronym for that? And maybe we'll do like an acrostic or something. The Oscars are just like a guy's name, right? So we can call these the Scarlets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like. <sighs> William Holden apparently hated working with Jennifer Jones in this movie, and he kind of became my rock in that way. Like, William Holden is in this movie, and that's a huge knock against him. But at the same time, he seems to hate being in this movie and hate his co-lead. And I support him in both of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's really Uh, funny because apparently some of the reviewers at the time talked about how they had just incredible chemistry. And I'm watching it. And it seems like every time that they're, like, holding one another or whatever, his face is, like, turned as far away from her as it can possibly be while still literally holding a woman. (laughs) Yeah. And a part of that apparently was that she knew him as a womanizer and so ate a bunch of garlic before they did any love scenes together. (laughs) But... Also part of that is she's terrible in this, and I would not want to be anywhere near her. She is terrible in this. And you know, we've never really liked her, but somehow I like hate her more. Because when she was just staring into space as Bernadette, I was like, this is boring and you're not doing anything. And this is like, oh, you're trying and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, this is absolutely a part that does not demand any acting like the academy is just going to give you awards for being brave enough to pretend to be an asian woman which yo that's fucked up but like that's what this movie was awarded for and every time she tries to act it's like god i wish you didn't god i wish you let the makeup do the work and the makeup is bad like (laughs) But it's better than your acting. My biggest complaint about the makeup, other than it's racist, Mm -hmm. which it is, but it's not immediately clear at the beginning of the film because I feel like from scene to scene, it changes. Like they somehow didn't replicate the same look every time. So like sometimes it's verging on caricature where they've drawn on her lips in this way that makes no sense. And... Sometimes her eyebrows are, like, really thick from one end to the other, and then other times they're, like, very thick toward her nose, and then they thin out. And then sometimes they just look like 1950s shaped eyebrows. 
It's really weird. And sometimes I feel like they do stuff with her nose and then sometimes they don't. Her wig is awful. Yeah. I assume it's a wig. The only thing that consistently happens with the makeup is she has a really high hairline in this wig. That's the only thing that is supposed to mark her as Eurasian. Right. Jennifer Jones apparently constantly complained about and fought against the makeup because she thought it made her look old. And on the one hand, she is correct. And on the other hand, fuck, I hate Jennifer Jones. Like, I... <laughs> yeah, imagine that being your complaint. Yeah. Oh, I hate that this racist makeup makes me look old. And I was like, I don't know, maybe you could hate that it makes you look racist? Yeah. <sighs> There's this thing where at first, because it's so... I'm not going to say subtle, but shitty. Because it signals so little Asian-ness. You think, oh, this is going to be a movie about how she doesn't look very Asian, but that, like the racism of the time is going to hoist that upon her. And no, she's constantly talking about how Asian she is. Everybody else is like, you need to wear China dresses all the time because you're just the most Asian shit that's ever existed. And it's like, she just looks like Jennifer Jones wearing a bad wig. What is anyone talking about? Well, I mean, I do understand the... the... So this is complicated because I feel like I'm speaking about this from a place of like, I'm a white person who has known people who are half East Asian and half white. And this movie is doing a whole lot of that for me. So, you know, maybe I don't need to. But a thing that I've consistently heard from the strangely large number of people I've known who are half Asian and half white is that all of their white friends think they look very Asian and all of their Asian friends think they look very white. And, like, that is an actual thing that could be addressed. And there is this thing where Jennifer Jones's character, whose name is, like, I don't even know because I just sat there and was like, I hate you. Han Suyin, yeah. Uh, Suyin. Yeah, where Suyin is always correcting people when they're like, yeah, but, you know, you're Chinese. And she's like, Eurasian, which, has anyone ever actually used that? <laughs> I mean, yes, that is a thing. Like, you could be, but you could also be, like, I I don't know, Russian. Just plain Russian and be Eurasian. <laughs> yeah, I think that title was a bigger deal at the time and was slightly more used at the time. But it does, in this movie, for sure, feel like I had to look up the novel because I was like, now, is she Eurasian? Does she say she's Eurasian in the novel, or is she just Asian and we're that racist? That, like, even having a white woman play a full Asian woman and get together with a white man would have been like, no, you can't do that from the Hayes office. Mm. Because, like, God, this movie sucks on its own. But, like, the most notable thing about this is totally a Hayes office thing. Anyway, she is specifically referred to as Eurasian in the novel as well. And the author of it, who apparently this is roughly an autobiographical story, actually, was half Asian, half British, and did in fact fall in love with a second husband after her first husband died, who then went off and died in the Korean War. By the way, that's the entire plot of this movie. 
Uh, I just told it to you in one sentence. Oh, well, and and then the white guy dies. Yeah, well, I, sa- I said that. He goes off and dies as a reporter in the Korean War. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I missed that. I don't know. I think I was like, her first husband dies. Because her first husband dies in the Chinese Revolution. Mm-hmm. So I think I got muddled a bit. There, there's just a lot of really weird shit in here. And I think one of the biggest things for me that is confusing is that Jennifer Jones was cast in this because... The Hayes office still was saying absolutely no on-screen miscegenation, mm-hmm. which is such a bizarre thing because, like, we're not watching them have sex ever. <laughs> it's it's just weird to say, like, no on-screen miscegenation. Okay, well, but the other parts of the Hayes code say that we wouldn't even be able to see that if that were a thing. So Jennifer Jones, like, they can't even cast a half-white, half-Asian woman in this part about a half-white, half-Asian woman. But it's about a half-white, half-Asian woman having a relationship with a white guy. (laughs) So it's okay in fiction, but not in pretending? Yeah, exactly. I don't understand it at all. (laughs) That is the thing that is the wildest thing about this movie, is that the Hayes office is like, no, diegetically, it's okay to have mixed-race couples. Within the narrative, that's fine. But the actors can't actually do that. In the real world, two people of two different races can't kiss. Right! But it's okay to portray that on screen. Yes. Which is (laughs) the opposite of what the Hayes office... Like, if they're censoring something, they should be censoring the fake universe of the film. Right! And instead they're like, no, the fake universe of the film, fair game. But in the real world, you just can't do that. And it's so distracting, not just because it's the core plot of this film, but because this film actually has a lot of Asian actors in it. And then just immediately, whenever you see a white woman in bad makeup, you're like, guess she's going to bang a white guy. Yeah, yeah. Because that happens three separate (laughs) times in this movie, that there's a character... That's like, I'm extremely Asian, says the blonde white woman with painted on eyebrows. Right. And you're like, guess she's getting together with a white guy later. God, the one that's the craziest is when Suyin goes to visit her extended family. And every member of her extended family is an actual Asian actor cast as an Asian person doing some extremely stereotypical Asian dialogue. Until she has to go see the cousin who is bringing shame on the family by going to live with a foreigner. And you get over there and it's a fucking white girl. Yep. (laughs) Like, it just does not even look vaguely like any other member of her family. The makeup's terrible, of course. It's actually worse than Jennifer Jones's somehow. Not only does it not look like anyone else in their family, it also doesn't look like Jennifer Jones. Yeah. It's like, who is this rando? Oh, God, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Ugh. And, like, the core plot of this movie is not just that a mixed-race woman and a white man fall in love. It's that the racism they face is terrible. That is the message of this movie is like they have a pure love that is important and should be protected and the world just won't let it be because of racism. And this movie is so fucking racist about their relationship in the production of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh... (laughs) Uh, 
This is a thing actually that goes on a lot in Hollywood, right? Here's a person who's going to represent an entire group of marginalized people. Yeah. But we, the writer, director, producer, actors, everybody involved has absolutely no experience with this at all. So we're going to tell this story that is one story that is supposed to apply to the entirety of a group of people and their struggle from such an outside, zoomed out, completely external, no experience perspective that it feels, I mean, one, it ends up feeling racist or in the case of, you know, uh, multiple other things like homophobic or transphobic or whatever but also that the character isn't anyone like who is Su Yin a manic pixie dream girl with like multiple little cute things that mark her as being raised in China like she wants to go and hear the fortune teller tell their fortune to hear his beautiful lies as she says she believes in superstition, but calls it superstition, which is such a wild thing. Yeah, where she says, like, if you don't believe in things that aren't true, what would happen to Faith? <laughs> this feels like the white guy wrote this to be like, no, 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 she's basically white. And you're like, that's what? Why? <laughs> it is so wild. Every time Jennifer Jones has a line, and it's unfortunately very often, that begins with some variation of, as a proud Eurasian. It is that, though! Because <laughs> she just makes these grand, sweeping statements about what it's like to be Eurasian all the fucking time. And it's like, girl, you just have a high hairline. It would be terrible even if you were fooling somebody, but you're not fooling anyone, and that's worse. Well, I mean, everybody in the fictional world of the movie, apparently everyone is aware that she is Eurasian, whatever. I hate that phrase, but fine. Uh, yeah. But she only really deals with racism and uh, exclusion from the white people in her life. And it's very subtle. It's like the doctor at the hospital fires her because she was out of town when there was a horrible catastrophe or something. And then the Chinese doctor who works there, who is a guy, is like, no, you got fired because you're Eurasian. Why don't you go back to China? You're Chinese. And that was such a weird thing because it was like, mm, there's no caught between two cultures thing. It's just, well, all you white people think I'm Chinese and actually I'm not. And like, I'm proud of both of my heritages, except for the fact that I will literally never mention anything about also being half English, even though I studied in England for 10 years. And weirdly, I have an American accent when I speak English, despite having an English parent <laughs> and having only ever studied or been anywhere that is London and Hong Kong. So why does she not have an English accent? Anyway, that's like just quibbling. But she says, I'm proud of being Eurasian, but there's no discussion about any attachment that she has to her English culture because the movie is about exoticizing her yeah. while saying like, oh, isn't this sad that Eurasian people are not treated nicely or what? I'm not even really sure what this movie is saying. I think it wants to say that just racism in general is bad 
But because of the actual content of the film, the only thing it ever comes right out and says, like, this sucks about is that people discriminate against her because she's in a relationship with a white man. And, like, so does the casting of this movie, <laughs> which makes it kind of difficult to drive that point home. And it, I don't know. I was thinking about Gentleman's Agreement, the movie where mm. Gregory Peck goes undercover, quote unquote, as a, as a, Jewish, a Jewish man. As a Jewish person, yeah. And that we laid into a very specific scene in that movie, which does suck, where he starts lecturing a Jewish woman about when and when it is not appropriate to hide your Jewish heritage. And this scene has a version of that scene that is somehow 10 times worse <laughs> because it's like it made you realize all the things that were going on in that scene's favor of like, well, one, Gregory Peck is a good actor. Two, Gregory Peck is not pretending to her to be a Jewish man when he is lecturing or the audience. Mm. There is a scene where Suyin meets an old friend of hers from the convent where they were... It's very, un it's not really, they knew each other as children. Yeah, they went to convent school in Hong Kong. Yeah. And this friend is passing for white. And this is complicated because one of the reasons she's passing for white is she's a white woman. <laughs> but in this universe, she's not. <laughs> and Suyin starts lecturing her about how proud she should be of her Eurasian heritage. And it's the worst. Because it, it's just the most bonkers thing possible. It's two white women pretending to be half Asian women, lecturing each other about the proper way to be a thing they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is clearly supposed to be like the bad one because she's passing as white. Yeah. And the other one is like, no, you should be proud of being Eurasian. The, and like that character is so much more interesting and lived in than Suyin. The three scenes we get with her. Give me Suzanne's movie. Yeah. I mean, one, she seems to be absolutely hilarious because she's like, he's having tea with me and he only has half an hour before he has to go have tea with his wife. And it's really upsetting his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she gets all the good lines. There's also a great bit where they meet on an airplane and she's like, I'm with one of the directors of the hospital you work at, but we thought it would be better if we sit apart. And Suyin is like, he found out about you? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. He thought I was doing it for his sake. He bought me this diamond bracelet. <laughs> Which is, like, again, such a lived-in detail of somebody's life instead of being this weird, made-up, model-minority character who's just a bunch of stereotypes. But is very proud of them and is going to tell you every time how proud she is of it. I think what's really frustrating to me about this is that there is, and I have yet to actually see this on screen, so if anyone has recommendations for a movie or a television property or something that actually does nicely address this. We are screen test of time at gmail.com. <laughs> but there is something that's actually really interesting about being someone who is the child of two very, very different cultures and does not feel at home accepted or connected to either one. I mean, now I'm just like talking from personal experience. My mom is many 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 generations american white woman and my dad is turkish 
And growing up in the South, people were always like, you look like you're not from around here, despite the fact that I was like white and blonde. <laughs> yeah. As a child. And now I'm still white and blonde, but you know, it's bleach. Not for the skin tone. But you know, when I would go to Turkey, everybody was like, oh, look at the little American girl. Not that I spent a lot of time there anyway. I never learned how to speak Turkish because my parents were divorced and my dad didn't really think it was important. But I feel a lot of affinity for Turkish culture. So, like, there is kind of a personal and deep sort of pain and sadness and longing that exists there. And this doesn't address that at all. It's like, I'm proud to be Eurasian and there is no problem that I have at all. It's just other jerk people who think that it's bad. Most of whom... Of course, because this is a Hollywood film, are the Chinese people in my life, not the white people. <laughs> this is such a potentially interesting story. I'm not going to because I have enough shit going on in my life right now. But I would actually be interested to read the novel versus this movie because it seems like this is a compelling setup. A half Chinese, half British woman trying to make her way in the world in Hong Kong while China is embroiled in the revolution and she doesn't know how she feels about the revolution. And then she falls in love with this white guy. Oh, there's a lot going on there for us to explore. We don't explore any of it except for the romance. And we don't explore that all that well. <laughs> and the romance really seems to be that the biggest problem with it is not... That Suyin is Eurasian and that William Holden's character, whose name I don't remember, and frankly, it doesn't fucking matter, is a white American guy. It's that he's married to a woman that we never see on screen, that we are told, she told me six years ago she never wanted to see me again, and I feel the same way. And then when he goes to try to get a divorce from her, refuses him the divorce. And that seems to be the biggest actual problem to them being together, and then is, like, kind of dismissed? Like, well, it's fine. I guess I can't marry you, but, uh, you know, nothing has changed now. I'm pretty sure that it has. <laughs> like, this is a pretty different situation now, especially because you were living in British colonized Hong Kong. Like, there are a lot of rights you will not have as his side piece, legally. Yeah. <laughs> and they also are planning on adopting this child, which she kind of does. Which also, like, that's nothing. It happens in the last 30 seconds of the movie. And basically is just there so that the kid can drop a bowl of red ink. Right as the bomb falls that kills William Holden. For whatever metaphorical visual reasons. Man, this movie is bad. This movie is bad. <laughs> I didn't like it, and the more I talk about it, the less I like it, which is really impressive. <laughs> and, like, as much as just the whole thing is wrongheaded, it's a terrible project, the author of the novel, literally the real-life version of the adopted daughter, needed an operation, and so she sold the film rights. But she apparently never watched the movie. Uh, that was the correct choice. Yeah. She did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. There's just a constellation of reasons why this thing sucks. There's also just like a fucking lightning rod. It all passes through Jennifer Jones giving a god-awful performance. Yeah. I mean, I you sent me a text while you were watching it saying that you thought that this movie might be a lot better if Jennifer Jones was not in it and they had actually cast a Eurasian woman. Yeah. And I think that that's true. I still think it would be a dog shit movie. <laughs> but that the 
actor might be able to bring some kind of pathos and like lived experience to this that Jennifer Jones clearly can't. Yeah, it's like a Matryoshka doll of like bad because like you could go one layer up and like even a good white actress could get more out of this movie than Jennifer Jones does. Still be a dog shit movie if you did that. Now you could cast an actually racially appropriate actress for this and then you might get something half decent. Not great. Like the story would still suck. The direction would still be bad. The dialogue would still be just absolutely obnoxious. But yeah, I mean, I guess you could probably get some, you could get a better performance or at least, I'm not going to say necessarily better. Like not every person who is Eurasian is going to automatically be a better actor, but at least it would have some quality where it feels lived in in some way instead of, like you said, the, as a proud Eurasian woman, which if it is not literally said out loud, (laughs) proceeds Every fucking thing that Jennifer Jones says in this movie. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and it is so terrible every time. Really, every time I remember anything Jennifer Jones does in this movie, I think she's now my least favorite actress in Screen Test of Time. Because we've seen other actresses that we don't like because they're miscast all the time. Like, they have some quality, Where you're like, oh, I like that thing, but Hollywood doesn't know what to do with it. Jennifer Jones was just pretty. That was it. She was like extremely stereotypically white, 1950s American pretty. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's all that she has. We've seen her in other stuff. She delivers absolutely nothing. People love to turn the camera on her while she stares blankly into space because she has a... a, symmetrical face (laughs) like that's it (laughs) i actually looked through her imdb to make sure i wasn't going to all about eve style have to eat my words about talking a lot of shit about jennifer jones and nope like the rest of her filmography is also bad and in fact is increasingly bad in ways where people are saying out loud hey did she just get cast because her husband is david oselznick i mean (laughs) And it seems like originally, no, she's getting cast because she was in Song of Bernadette and it was a big breakout Oscar hit. Now she's bad in that, but Hollywood is going to keep casting you if you just like have a breakout performance like that. But as we get into the late 50s and the 60s, increasingly, it seems like the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. That is why she was cast and nobody likes it. This seems to be sort of a turning point in that. Because this is such, I mean, just, I don't think you could miscast more than this. I struggle to think of an aspect of casting this doesn't fail on. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess you could cast like a black man would be the only way that it would be. But even then I'd be like, well, that's interesting. Where are we going with this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. Then you reach this point of All like, right, this isn't an artistic choice. <laughs> let me like what's happening here? I'm I'm I don't think that it's a good one, but like may yep. prove me wrong. This movie may not be asking questions about race and gender, but I sure as hell am now, and that's <laughs> something to hold on to. Like I <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Yeah. So we've talked a lot now about how terrible this movie is. But I think Bosley Crowther of the New York Times 
at the time absolutely nailed it. One, he called it elaborately sentimental, which is definitely true. But he slammed the screenplay saying, his story is commonplace and stilted. His dialogue is foolishly verbose and his characters are stiff and bloodless people with no seeming urge for anything but love. Yeah, there you go. Which is really annoying because Suyin has all of this stuff that lasts for about two minutes of screen time where she's like, I'm never going to have love again. All I'm going to do is be a doctor. My husband died and he was a nationalist general in China. So I'm never going to love again. In movie time, four hours later, she's making out with William Holden. <laughs> William Holden's dialogue also sucks. I don't want to give William Holden too much credit because he is, again, in this movie. And that's a unrecoverable choice. <laughs> but he does at least kind of do this thing where all of Mark Elliott his character's generically named character name. All of Mark Elliott's dialogue is also just this just nonsensical, pretentious bullshit about love. But William Holden kind of plays it as like, yeah, I don't know, this guy's just kind of pretentious and doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> like, it seems like Mark Elliott is the kind of guy who would say all the dumb shit that his character says. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like William Holden is, so it's really unbelievable. Because, like, you know, recently Tom Hiddleston got engaged. I don't know if you saw this, or, like, people think he got engaged because he was on a red carpet with someone he probably is dating and she had a ring on. Sure. And they met. I don't know why I was even interested in this at all, but, you know, sometimes you just click on shit on the internet. They met while they were doing Betrayal in New York. Or they did it in London and then it came to New York. And so I looked that up because I was like, well, surely if they're engaged in this play that is a three-hander where the characters are a woman, her husband, and his best friend with whom she has a multiple year-long affair, the two who are engaged must be... I mean, obviously, there's only one woman in the play, so she's that one. Yeah. But that he must have been the friend with whom she has an affair. Nope. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston was like, you know what I really want? I really want to marry the woman that I used to spend eight shows a week having absolutely fucking devastate me. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Yeah. But it made me go back and reread Betrayal because I hadn't read it since college. And there is a way to write this like ecstatic over the top love language that people actually do use like you know when you are first in love with somebody it's not unusual to say shit that sounds super cheesy and dumb in retrospect but like at the time is incredible and pinter did it really really well you know like shakespeare obviously did it really well but it was in verse and like no one actually talks like that if only um but there is a way to do it in like contemporary language and this movie absolutely misses that mark yeah it is fucking nonsense like it isn't purple in a throes of passion kind of way it's purple in this weird faux profundity kind of way where people just keep making statements that they look at like well we found the meaning of life because we're in love but they're all like Maybe all of us are just beetles, wad like waddling around, and how, <laughs> oh, how great it is to be alive. And you're like, what? What are you even saying? Like, 
it doesn't even not make sense in a way where it doesn't feel emotionally earned. It doesn't make sense. Like, it just flat out as a sentence. Like, if only all lovers had their own tree. Yeah. And I'm like, that's literally a thing that could happen. I don't know. What do you... Right. Every... I mean, I suppose, like, they could be in the desert or, like, the Arctic, somewhere where there aren't trees, but, like, this is not a stretch, dude. Yes. She says, every woman in love should have her own secret garden. And if that isn't stupid enough, his immediate response is, and every man in love should have a mountain. What? (laughs) Hey, hey, bro. What? I, <laughs> have you ever really have you ever really felt that David of like man as a man in love you know what I really deserve and feel like is missing is a mountain <laughs> they're on a hill and it absolutely feels like he just looked around and said the first thing he saw and every man should have lamp like the <laughs> I, but, uh, anyway, (laughs) this movie is bad. What one? Yeah, yeah, this movie is bad. I will say, like, possibly the only thing that I liked about this film, which I don't even know if any of it is actually real, and given the rest of this movie, my doubts feel uh, justified. But there were little mentions as, you know, Su Yin always goes, as a proud Eurasian woman, here's a Chinese thing I really like. (laughs) And if these little cultural rituals and touchstones and whatever are actually things, they're interesting. Even if they're not, they're interesting. You know, if I, like, came across them in a fantasy novel, I would be like, oh, that's a cute thing where they have the little beetles, like, crawl over to the box to indicate if you're meant to be together. Or, like... We have to chase the clouds away from the moon or else it will be a bad year. So we all bang on stuff like that's cute. Is it real? Who knows? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people actually do know, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like that kind of stuff, I think, is actually really is really cute. And they were the moments of the movie where I perked up and was interested to see what was happening. They also lasted at most 30 seconds at a time. And I think there were three of them. (laughs) Yeah. So Honestly, I think it's that if they last any longer than 30 seconds, they get into some real wild exoticizing shit that's bad. As opposed to the rest of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, for instance. For instance, every other scene in the film. But there are these like weird concentrated doses of like, oh, this is particular enough and done for a short enough time that they don't like have anyone do small clipped dialogue about honor in the scene, which to be clear, that is me doing an impression of how this movie has Asian people talk. That is in no way how Asian people talk. Oh, man. The one guy who's the doctor at the hospital with her. Yeah. So he actually was, he was in a lot of movies in the 30s and 40s, and then later was in several too, but that was really his heyday. And he was Chinese-American, was born in Hawaii, and I guess because, like, he was the one guy that anybody at a studio knew who was Chinese ethnically, he was cast in everything. But he is a terrible fucking actor. He is so bad. <laughs> Here's the thing. He is so noticeably bad 
that I did look him up as well. But he is also cast so much and in stuff that's actually, like, not necessarily well-regarded, but, like, does a lot of acting to the degree that I wonder how much he was directed to be a bad actor. Like, oh, no, it's not convincing. You sound too American. <laughs> yeah. Like, go more stilted, go weirder. Like, Make this as alien as possible. Yeah, that's not a bad hypothesis now that I think about it, especially in the context of this film. Especially the scene where he goes and tells Suyin to abandon Mark Elliott, like abandon this interracial relationship, which is supposed to be kind of his big moment. It is such terrible acting. Yeah, he has this whole big monologue. And I mean, it was... I've had a lot of people audition for me in my life, and I've seen a lot of shitty actors and people who just really thought that they were just going to keep trying until they got something. This was worse than anything I've ever seen in a terrible audition. <laughs> that scene is sub-B-movie level. There is so much wild shit. Like, him turning and leaving is some of the worst acting I've seen in Screen Test of Time. It's such a like, awkward, stilted exit. <laughs> That's like he just remembered his cue and turned and left and they used that take for some reason. But also the fact that they used that take for some reason makes it feel like it had to have been the director's intention for it to be like this. Because if it literally is just that he forgot when to exit, they would have done another take. Or just edited it differently. Yeah. <sighs> This movie's bad, is what we're really getting at. It is not just racist, which would be enough. It's also just dreadful. Yeah. It is a poorly made racist movie. <laughs> if you took out the racist casting, this movie would still be bad. Yeah. <laughs> you, could th you could do something good with this situation, but it would require not just the above-the-line people, but the below-the-line people to totally change and actually represent the people this story is about. Yes. Yeah. It's real bad, y'all. Don't watch it. Do not watch it. Yeah. Please do not watch it. <laughs> I won. I don't... I, I keep saying, like, one under my breath, and I'm not sure we've ever actually rated it. Oh, yeah, one. Absolutely one. I'm sorry. I, I just assumed, like... <laughs> If you've listened to this podcast before and you know we don't give zeros, it's a one. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. And I also had this experience of, have I said one like 30 times? Like, have I already rated this movie? Because I'm just so hyped to give this movie one. I'm just like, well, at least I can give this movie a one. One. Right. And if you were tuning into the podcast for the first time, or this is the first time that we have given a movie a one, because you're only listening to the episodes for movies that you've seen and enjoyed, and then you decided for some reason to listen to this one, David almost never gives a one. Like, I will go one, and David's like, well, but like, here are things about this movie that make it, you know, at least... Some of the below-the-fold people were doing good work or, like, were trying to do good work or it got hampered by something or whatever. So for David to be like, one is pretty, pretty exceptional. 
In the first five minutes of this, I did have a thought of the second unit director that did the location shooting in Hong Kong did some good work. And you know what? I don't give a fuck. One. (laughs) Like, the rest of the movie was so terrible. I wasn't even going to mention it until you mentioned, like, David tries to find the good thing in the movie. And it's like, I found it. This movie's still dog shit. (laughs) Like, I, like... Uh, well, uh, it's, it's interesting because actually, like, if I like a movie, you will talk me down. <laughs> <laughs> but if I hate a movie, you're like, look, just because you hated it doesn't mean it's necessarily the worst thing that's ever been made. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think I have like a natural inclination toward the four to six range. Yes. Like if I don't care about a movie that much, it sort of lands in there. And, like, some pretty good and really pretty bad movies have managed to land in there because my real thought about that movie is, I'm going to forget about this movie. Right. I don't, whatever. I spent two hours on it. It's done now. And, like, to really pull me out of that, you've got to be, you know, Rebecca, Citizen Kane, something that's just, like, undeniably great. Or something like this, where it's like, I genuinely don't care about the people who did good work on this movie. William Holden did certainly better work than Jennifer Jones. There are some people making the shots of Hong Kong look good. Those are facts about this movie, I would say. The dresses that Jennifer Jones wears are well-made, nice dresses that I do not care about because they are on Jennifer Jones. (laughs) Yeah, like all of that just pales so much in comparison to... It's not just like a fruit of the poison tree thing. It's like the... the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the roots are poisoned, the tree is poisoned, the branches are poisoned, the leaves are all poisoned, <laughs> most of the apples are poisoned, but there's like a bite or two left in this one apple that's kind of okay. <laughs> uh, David, you forgot the mountain. Right, of course, yes. <laughs> also, poisoned mountain. <laughs> yes. So yeah, one, don't watch this movie. Next week, William Holden is getting his chance for redemption in Picnic, which also stars Kim Novak, and which, again, is a movie that I don't know anything about. The cover, however, is given big pulp romance vibes. Not cover. Yeah. I even said cover because it looks like a pulp romance cover. The poster. To me, I thought you said cover because it looks like the cover of a VHS tape to me. That looks like something I'd see on Blockbuster in 1992 and go like, I wonder if my parents know about that movie. Time to rent Back to the Future. But like, <laughs> it just has a big 80s vibe to me somehow. Anyway, it's a terrible poster, so maybe the movie will be great. Who, who knows? Anyway, so tune in next week to find out if it is as pulpy as the, the poster looks. And until then... Um, no. Goodbye. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> yes, have a have a good week, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have turned. It was a good omen. Why, you're superstitious. And you, a doctor. But I was born to superstition. In China, when a peasant has a son he dresses him in girls clothes and gives him a girl's name because he's afraid that the jealous gods may take him away or if the crop in the field is bountiful he stands in the ditch and shakes his head and cries aloud bad rice bad rice 
He does this to propitiate the gods, to deceive them. And so it is with me. I should like to deceive the gods. For if they notice me, they may be jealous. We mustn't let the angry gods notice us. Bad rice, bad rice. Be quiet. I am very serious. So am I. 